Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I am your host, Annie F. Downs, and I am so glad to be here with you today. We have had a couple of weeks in a row of really fun and exciting podcasts, and I'm so grateful. I'm having the best time. I think this is so fun. We are a couple weeks into Lent, and I hope you have gotten a chance to listen to that podcast and have started celebrating that season with us a little bit, or reading through Isaiah with the She Reads Truth and the He Reads Truth people. And last week was our sweet friend, Ellie Holcomb. I hope you have gotten Red Sea Road. She's actually singing to us in the background. I don't know if you noticed, but last week we switched the opening music. We went from her a song from her old album to the song Fighting Words on her new album that is one of my very favorites on there. You're going to hear a lot more about the Fighting Words idea in the future from me and Ellie. But that is the new opening and closing song from Ellie. It's amazing. I'm so happy that she let us use that. So make sure you grab a copy of Red Sea Road. Speaking of the He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth crowd, today on the podcast is my friend and Nashville pastor, Russ Ramsey. I've known Russ for a couple of years here in town. You guys know that's kind of the deal here. That sounds fun is is you're getting to meet my friends. And I'm introducing my friends to my friends, which is one of my very favorite things to do. And Russ has been a friend for a while, and I've loved watching him pastor so many people in our community, myself included. It's been really, really beautiful. He's kind of been that guy that maybe people outside of Nashville haven't seen, but people in Nashville know exactly who he is. He's just a really wise, honest, strong voice in the lives of a lot of people, including me. And I am very, very grateful Russ has a new book coming out on Tuesday, March 14th called Struck. I was lucky enough to get to read it already, and I'm telling y'all, it is absolutely incredible. You can start ordering it now. Go ahead and get it. But I just want to sit down with Russ in the middle of Lent, kind of talk about that with him as a guy who helps lead He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth, but also about Struck and about this season of his life that I think you'll find really interesting. And so here is my conversation with Russ Ramsey. I don't really know everything there is to know about that. So. I know. Well, I just don't know anything about frozen goat cheese. I, I just I would like to figure out how they get the cheese fro how they get the cheese to not melt, mm. but to be creamy, but to be fried. Yeah. But I guess that would be the same question about mozzarella sticks. But yeah, they do kind of they melt. do freeze those. But they freeze those. Those are frozen deals. Are they? Yeah, and they drop them in. You know. Is that how? Um, Cheese curds are done too. Mm-hmm. They're all frozen. And cheese curds are. You can headphones or not headphones. It's your life. Oh, I like headphones. Okay, yeah, I like them too. Everything. It feels. It feels real. <laughs> oh my gosh! Fancy. It gets way more official if I have you put headphones on. Yes. Okay. Yes. Great. Um, okay, so all those cheeses are frozen. I'm very interested in this conversation. All those cheeses <laughs> are frozen, and then fried. Yes, but not for very long because. You know, because two things are happening when it goes into the fryer. Right. The first is that the breading uh-huh. is uh, cooking. Right, right. So the fry is getting fried. Yes. Yeah, so it's hardening mm-hmm. as the cheese inside is softening. Why do you know this? I'm observant. <laughs> You're like, Annie, I merely pay attention at restaurants. What you do is you No, take- you can't be observant and know that a mozzarella stick is frozen. Well, okay. Or you just have worked it backwards at some point. You've gone, I need to figure this out in the only way. Right. Well, and they, uh, you know, you, here's how, here's my, how I work it backwards. You can get them at Sonic. Nobody's at Sonic hand breading a cheese stick. Careful how you judge a people group. Well, no, I'm just saying that, that. (laughs) 
the likelihood. The, no, I, I'm I'm confident. <laughs> I'm confident. <laughs> I'm confident that there's a bag in uh-huh. a freezer, right, of cheese sticks, a Sonic, right. and and the uh, the process mm. is put some of these in the oil and take them out after a couple Quickly. of minutes, and then roller skate them out to the car. Yeah, or. However you do Well, that. preferred the roller skate, of course. <laughs> Are we rolling right now? Yeah, totally. Oh, um, that's fantastic. So, okay, but then the question remains, before they got to our local Sonic, mm-hmm. it was... They're not cooked yet. Right. So the cheese, it's a real, it's like a six foot long line of mozzarella cheese and they chop it up into mm-hmm. three inch sticks. Probably. And they freeze those, and then they bread them, and then they freeze them again? No. I think they, they chop them up, they bread them, and then they freeze them for the first okay, time. Okay, okay, okay. That would be my guess. Now, again, I'm They spec- co-freeze. I'm spec- they co-freeze yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm speculating on the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that was the truth. I think mm-hmm. you probably... The single freeze. I was picturing a double freeze, but you're calling it a single freeze. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's how it... Because when you fry ice cream, obviously it's a double freeze because ice cream's frozen and then you bread it and then you fry it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a single freeze. Oh, because you never double freeze. Well, I guess they there are plenty. Yeah. Hmm. Here we are. Here we are. (laughs) What we just did is we reached the end of that road. (laughs) And then, but then I didn't want off the train. Is the problem? We reached the end, and I still was thinking about it. We talked up to what we knew, right? And then we talked further. (laughs) And then there was literally. And then we ran out of even what we didn't know. (laughs) Is that going to keep happening to us? We should just keep dropping topics that we don't know enough about to have a conversation, and then just keep going. I'm a pastor. <laughs> That's what you I'm do? I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm a professional at that. Okay, which actually you're on staff at a church in, in Nashville again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on staff at Christ Presbyterian Church. Pastor Scott Sauls. Yes. Who we've also podcasted together. Yeah, yeah. He's wonderful. So what is your role at Christ Pres now? So my role there is um, I, my official title is pastor for seekers. Um, the long and the short of what I do there is I do um, writing. Uh, yeah. I do some some teaching, and I, and my job is is to uh, to to give special attention to people who are coming in with uh, spiritual questions, uh, which can be people who are um, you know sorting out what it is that they believe. It mm-hmm. can also be people who uh, maybe have. Um, considered themselves to be Christians for years, but have experienced something in their life that is sort of. Uh, challenged uh, their understanding of the sure. God that they thought they knew. Yeah, because I would put myself in that category. Yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, well, I think what happens is, you know, a lot of folks they have a they, uh, a lot of people who become Christians become Christians when they're when they're younger. Um, and, and I'm, I'm stereotyping, but but yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's not an You're uncommon. My story so yeah, far. it's not an uncommon yeah. story for Young Life or RUF mm-hmm. or some college ministry. You hear the gospel; it makes perfect sense. You 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 have a moment of clarity. You believe. You say yes. Okay, this is what I believe. Yeah. But that's before. Um, for a lot of people, it's before you know losing a parent or losing a job or miscarrying or yeah. having some sort of heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. It, all these things that that happen that sort of uh, they weren't in play necessarily right. when you made that initial uh, decision. And right. so a lot of a lot of my. Uh, w- one of my favorite things to do is is meeting with people whose lives have been sort of turned upside down, mm. um, and uh, 
to kind of talk through, uh, you know, their their pain and their struggle and yeah. and and their questions. Um, I'm just not I'm not I'm not put off by or afraid of questions. I think mm-hmm. I think Christianity has has stood um, the the most uh, has withstood the 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 the. Uh, most stringent interrogation of, of humanity over right. over the years. You know, a lot of a lot of angry fists uh, being shaken at the heavens, uh, demanding that God give an account of Himself, and yet here we still are. Mm. Um, I think there's something in that that's incredibly uh, dignifying about people's struggles to yeah. say, "Look, you know, you you're not the first person to um, to want God to to answer for Himself." Right. Um, and he, because I think both of us have been there, yeah. <laughs> sitting at this very table, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, I have. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. And you, you know, and and the Lord lets lets those questions stand. He doesn't always treat them as rhetorical, like right? Sometimes <laughs> he says, "You want to know? I'll yeah, I'll, I'll answer um, some of this." But a lot of times, it's it's you know, that's a journey into actually a deeper faith, right? Uh, not a weaker faith. It's almost I feel like you can totally correct me if I'm wrong, Russ. You're for our whole lives, but particularly in this podcast situation. But I have found that the more I, I thought if I ask questions, my faith is going to weaken. I thought if I, if I stare too much into this kaleidoscope, Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose the picture altogether. Yeah. And the actual, what I've actually seen that I have to remind myself, Lisa Harper says we read gospel ourselves, that I have to remind myself all the time is the deeper the look, the more I understand. Yeah. I don't understand much about God. I mean, I have a long way to go, but the, it feels like the more I ask the questions, the actual more I believe, not the less I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's precedent for that in the Bible, you know, that, that the Lord lets people, um, it's in the canon of scripture, people like David saying, I'm stretching out untiring hands in the night and my soul refuses to be quiet and mm. you won't answer me. Yeah. You know, what am I supposed to do with it? So for anybody who has ever said, God, where are you? Why are you being silent? Uh, you're not the first. David has said that and it's in the Bible and God didn't smite David for saying it. Right. You know, so I feel Opposite, like, right? He said <clears throat> this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's after my own heart. Yeah. And what's beautiful about it is, is David's appeal. Um, I think Psalm 77 is the one I'm thinking of, but um, he, you know, he 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 basically says uh i'm i uh, you know i i can't sleep mm. i'm troubled to my core uh and i can't hear what you're saying to me so here's here's what i will do i will appeal to your faithfulness to the generations before me mm. and i will look at how you have been good to people down through time and operate on the assumption that i'm not the one you're going to change with you know you're not going to stop being faithful Mm. Um, to me, mm-hmm. you know, it, because this is your story. This is what you do as you care for us, even when we, as earthbound creatures don't, you know, we see through a glass darkly. And right. I, I love that because, because, you know, Jesus tells his disciples, you you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Mm. And Peter says, you know, when Jesus says, you're going to deny me, Peter says, I'll die before I'll do that. Right. But Jesus reads him, you know, he reads yeah. him like a book and he knows, yeah. you know, it's that passion. That is that very passion. That's going to be the reason why you deny me. Right. Is because Peter's gonna, my guy, man. Mine too. I love him. Yeah. Mine I'm too. like, that would have been me for sure. Of the 12 of them. I yeah. hope that that would have been over Judas. <laughs> yeah. I hope that Peter would have, I'd been like, Jesus, no way. Yeah. No way would I do that. Yeah. Don't want, okay. If you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body. Right. Yeah. I'm all in, you know? What's funny is in one of the gospel accounts, I forget which one it is, but when he says I would never do that, he, there's a, there's an, there's a little 
side comment he makes. He says, even if all these other guys yeah. do, which is just <laughs> totally me. throwing them under the bus, right. you know, and they're all just they're like, we're in the room, Peter. We hear what you're saying. Right. We're <laughs> right here. Pete. You know, even if all I they know. do, all of them, all these jokers. Right. You know, it's not going to be me, man. I love, I mean, I, I, I just love him. I can't wait to be friends with him. He's mm-hmm. like one after Jesus. He's one of the first people yeah. in heaven I want to meet Paul, whatever. Yeah. He's fine. I'll be, I'll be happy <laughs> to see him. He makes me look yeah. crazy. Peter. I'm like, Let's talk, cause I yeah. get, I think we're I think he's an Enneagram Seven as well. <laughs> well so I'm a nine. Are you you're a seven? Are you a nine? Yeah. I, no wonder we like each other yeah. so much, Russ. Yeah. I love nines. Yeah. So many of my closest male friends are nines. That's really? so funny. Yes. Yeah. Peacemakers. Yeah. I just need some that's, peace. I'll bring me. peace to my life. That's me. Do you like being a nine? Uh, yeah. I'm I'm relatively new to the Enneagram. I'm I've been a Myers Briggs guy. Yeah. You know what are you a Myers Briggs? I'm an INFJ. Okay. So. Um, you know, it, it's funny that you can have, like Scott Sauls and I are both INFJs, but we're oh, very wow. different on the Enneagram. Right. And so I'm still What is he? To, is he a three? Mm, I can't remember. I think he's a four, but, a four. but, I, but, but I don't, wing. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. That is really interesting yeah. that y'all could be so different. Yeah. But back to Peter. Yes, go. Because this guy, um, he, uh, he's just this walking contradiction, uh-huh. which is what I, what I love about him. That, that, moment on the shores of Galilee when, when he has his reinstatement with, yeah. with Jesus and he asks him, you know, do you love me three times? What I love about that is is Jesus isn't asking him three times because he wants Peter to admit he doesn't love him. Mm. He's saying he's asking him because he wants him to hear himself say, say what's true. And the truth is, yeah, I, I love you. I deny you and I love you. Yeah. And I'm I'm both of those things, right? And and there's there's nothing um, there's nothing false about Peter saying that he loves Jesus. In fact, he kind of throws his hands up and he says, "Look, you know, you know all that there is to know. You know that I love you, all right? Um, and you know that I denied you. Were you were there, yeah, yeah. And you know, in Luke, it says they made eye contact after mm. Peter denied him, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I oh, yeah. and I had never thought they were that close. Mm-hmm. I thought Jesus was way over there and Peter was at the fire and yeah. and then in Luke when it says that they looked they they looked in each other's eyes I thought yeah. that is brutal. Yeah. That is I can't imagine being either person in that story. Yeah. Jesus hearing Peter, one of his top dudes, best yeah. friends, and, or Peter telling the lie he told and then having to look right into Jesus' eyes. It's so it's such a redemptive moment because yeah. who hasn't been at a place where, where you know, if they're a follower of Jesus, where where they feel like, uh, I just blew it. Yeah. Or, um, uh, you know, it, because I just, of what I just did, I wonder how he's looking at me. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty significant sin that Peter is committing, you know, right. so I don't, you don't want to start saying, well, my sin is worse or better. It's right. just like, hey, look, you know, regardless of how bad you think yours is, his was bad too. Right. Um, right. Really, really bad. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, Problematic. And, cow- at least. and cowardly and, yeah. uh, and Jesus called it. You know, so there's, it's not just that Jesus heard him and was like, what did you do? He heard him and he, and he's like, I told you, I you already know, told I, I knew you. that this was going to happen. Seven hours ago. Yeah. I told yeah. you. I know. It's so sad. I love, um, when I think about the John 21, the sea of Galilee part, when they're talking that reinstatement mm-hmm. and you said, Jesus did it so Peter could hear himself. And yeah. I thought, man, how many times do you think this is true that more often than not, when Jesus asks us for obedience or when, when we're asked to do something or be something that feels hard, it's way more about us than him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Jesus is yeah. like, this is, I mean, this is for me because you love me, but this is really for you. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's it's if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Um, it's our it's our love for him that is kind of in play. He's not he's not he doesn't need us to do anything. He doesn't you know I don't he he gets he gets by fine without me. Yeah, you know he handled so, the universe for <laughs> thousands of years before yeah. Annie F. Downs came along. Yeah, so anything he calls us to do out of obedience, it's because he's pleased to use us, but he's not, mm. he doesn't need to use us. Yeah. Um, which is, which is an, also an incredibly like hopeful and redemptive thing for, for, right. for people who feel like uh, I'm, you know, but I fail you. It's yeah. like, yeah, he's way ahead of us on that. He knows, he knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that he, uh, wants to use us yeah. uh, and that he does use us, you know? So speaking of Jesus, we're in the middle of Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, week one-ish, one and a half. Uh, how, so tell about your role at She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth because we just had those girls on yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about the, yeah. talking about Lent, the number one episode we've ever had by like really thousands. It's amazing. Yeah. I listen it's to really it. Exciting. My wife and I both listen to oh, it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm ex- I mean, it, it's really exciting to think about how many people are yeah. thinking about this practice. Yeah. So tell me what you do at She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth, mm-hmm. and then let's talk about Lent for a second. Okay. Um, what I do for He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth is, is a couple of things. For, so on the He Reads Truth side of things, I'm the, I'm the uh, content editor, manager for the daily stuff that we do for He Reads Truth. Mm-hmm. So I, I write. I also... Um, conscript conscript other guys to write and then I edit them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just as the She Reads Truth has daily devotional, so does He Reads and I'm the editor for all that. Yeah. And then um <clears throat> so that's that's what I do for for He Reads Truth. And then for He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth together, um, I'm one of the first voices for any plan in the sense that I, I do kind of theological oversight. Yeah, you're the of, pastor. Yeah. So yeah. I do I do some of that where I you know, we'll have a plan coming up, and so I'll take the plan, um, and I will um, uh, study the topic, and I will uh, kind of put together um, some thoughts, some general thoughts on it, uh, and uh, work with um, other people on the team to s- sort of help map it out and that sort of thing. So, so I have an early touch mm-hmm. uh, in that plan, and then and then um, just kind of general theological oversight and, and, uh, weighing in. And sometimes, sometimes I, I, I speak in as a guy. Yeah, that's right. You know? <laughs> sometimes you're on the she reads truth plans yeah, too. Sometimes there's a, yeah, sometimes it's, it's a, we need a guy's perspective on, mm-hmm. on this. What do you, what do you think? And I'll yeah. give my two cents in that. Yeah. But, uh, but Amanda and Rachel though, and that whole, the whole team at she reads truth, but, um, they're the real deal. They mm. are the real deal. I met them, um, kind of by, well, not by accident. I met them because I was pastoring, um, a church here in town and noticed that a lot of the women in the church were, were, uh, hashtagging she reads truth and following the Instagram feed and, you know, kind of my pastoral, uh, antenna went up and I thought, okay, who's this? You know, a lot, a lot of my, 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 the people in my congregation are, are being discipled by this. I want to know a little bit about it. So I learned that they were, um, uh, that it was daily Bible reading and that they were local. And so I reached out to Rachel and just, we got coffee one day right. and um, realized we had a lot of friends in common. And she went to a church that's in the, you know, that I know the pastor of the church she goes sure. to. Um, but they've just both, uh, th- they never cease to impress me with just how, um, I think what gets me, uh, what just really uh, encourages me and what I just love about the way that they work is that they really 
really want people to be in scripture. Like right. it's, and it's not, and it's, it's because they love scripture. Yep. Um, I've not met two people who are more, uh, and really the whole team who are more, uh, concerned about, um, being as careful to be faithful in the way that they handle, um, scripture as, as the, she reads truth team. So it's pretty cool to be, it's a, amazing. be a part of that. I'll tell you as a writer it, for them, yeah, it is so helpful to me that you're there. Mm. It is like such a good covering because of your pastoral care, you know, just how you help us. I mean, I, I almost feel like I get to do a Bible study before I write Mm -hmm. because you send us such good, like, here's what Isaiah is going to be about. Here's what the whole story is. And then Annie, what you're writing here is like the chunk of what you need to understand is going on before you are the communicator to our people. And I just really had a conversation about that. Didn't we? Yeah. What? Yeah. 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 Do you remember what the, what the, the scripture was Oh, about. you know the one that was so hard for me? It was from a it wasn't the Isaiah plan. Yeah, it, it was w- the one before. Was it Advent or was it John or um it was Advent. It was a king priest prophet yeah, yeah, section. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, "Russ, I need you to help <laughs> me with this because I do yeah. not know it. because it was one of those where it was like, here are these three verses about destruction on the planet. Merry Christmas." Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, "Russ, what have you given me? Help me." Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was super helpful. Um, how do you personally feel about Lent? What has Lent been for you? Um, I love, I, I love anything that calls us to slow down and mm-hmm. to think about something, about the significance of something. I grew up going to, I grew up Catholic and so Lent was oh, a part. You? Yeah. So I grew up with a liturgical calendar sure. and Advent and Lent and, and, uh, the, the ashes on my forehead on Ash Wednesday yeah. and all that. And, you know, as a kid, I just kind of took it for granted and, yeah. But the older I get now, the more I'm I'm grateful for um, these these liturgical seasons, and so many more denominations and churches now are kind of embracing them, which I think is very much because uh, churches these days are are um, uh, this generation is really embracing um, narrative yeah. uh, and the story of of Christianity um, alongside the teachings and the doctrines, which are together, you know, they go together. But yeah. I think when I was, when I was younger, uh, the emphasis was, I think a lot more on, on doctrine mm-hmm. and, 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 and I'm certainly not taking anything away from doctrine, but, um, but the narrative could kind of be sort of n- not as emphasized as sure. the teaching components of scripture. But the, the reality is that so much of scripture is narrative, it's story, right. it's the passage of time. Mm-hmm. And so I think something like Lent, where you're saying, okay, here's a season where um, we're preparing our hearts to celebrate um, the resurrection of Jesus. We're also preparing our hearts to walk through the passion of Christ right. and uh, to go through things like um, Good Friday, where in a very real sense, um, we sort of bury our hearts until right. Easter sun, Easter right. morning. You know, we, 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 if you go to a good Friday service, they, they usually don't end with the hope of the resurrection. They end <laughs> with the death. Yeah. And then you leave and in, they just and send they, you out and, and then it. you leave Woof. in silence. Yeah. You, you blow out the last candle and it's dark it's and awful. you, and you, and you walk out in that darkness and you, and you feel it, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that's such a, such a healthy thing right. uh, for us to do, especially when everything is so fast right. these days right. and everything's soundbite and 140 characters and th- you know, we're just, we, we, we have more information coming at us than any mm-hmm. generation ever has. Mm-hmm. Um, anything I think that can slow us down and say, Hey, th- stop and think about something here. And by the way, this happens to be, um, 
the most important event in the history of the world. Right, right. So take a season, right? <laughs> you know, and 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 focus on this. I think is is is. I know it's very helpful. So Tuesday, your book struck releases. Yeah. What does it mean to your guts a little bit that you have a book releasing during Lent? You know, that's the first time I'd ever. Uh, I hadn't connected the two in my mind. Yeah. Um, and it may not. You may go. Eh, yeah. It doesn't mean anything to me. But. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 they're. I, ha- I hadn't really connected the two in terms of the season in the book, but. Because um, I do. There is a lot of parallels to me. Yeah. Yeah. In the season in the book, right? I mean, you're you, tell us a little bit. Kind of give mm-hmm. the synopsis of the book for yeah. the people who haven't read it. So the book uh, is a real time walkthrough of my own a season of personal suffering and affliction that I went through um, that started. Uh, a f- couple of years back, um, I got I got sick. I, I thought I had a fever. Or I had a fever. I thought I had like a virus. The coworker had something similar. I thought it would go away in ten days, and it didn't. Um, and uh, anyway, by the time I figured out what was going on, um, it was a I had a raging bloodborne bacterial infection in my heart. Uh, and uh, go big or go home, restaurant. Yeah, Get I know. Gravy. I know. And so it it was. Um, um, by the time I I got into the doctor and he listened, I had a pretty significant heart murmur, and he he said, "I I think you might have an infection inside your heart, and it would be on that valve that's causing the murmur. It's it would be a very hospitable place for bacteria to kind of mm-hmm. latch on and grow." Mm-hmm. So they did a blood work on me and said, yeah, we got to check this out. We need to treat this. And in the process of doing that, they said, your mitral valve has been destroyed um, and you're in the early stages of heart failure and we have to fix it. Um, But before we can do that, we have to deal with the bacteria, uh, the infection. And so I I spent a month on... um, uh, round the clock IV antibiotics, a pump oh that was hooked up. I had a fanny pack with yes, a pump in it. Yeah, come on. Pumping, pumping really expensive medicine. Right. Um, <laughs> dollar signs, just oh, pumping dollar signs yeah, into your body. Yeah, but I had good insurance, so it didn't matter. That's right. Um, and so, and then, and then after that, they they said, okay, now we need to repair uh, or replace your mitral valve. So they had to do open heart surgery on me. So, uh, and I your never, husband, dad, I mean, there's a yeah, lot of people yeah, yeah, in yeah, this been, story. Yeah. Four, four children. Um, and my wife and I, you know, and, and, uh, and so, so what the book does is basically it walks through 24 months from the, from, um, illness, diagnosis, treatment, surgery, recovery, rehabilitation, and reentry. Mm. Um, there's, there's, uh, I talk about, uh, you know, there's a chapter on depression in there. There's a chapter on uh, lament and yeah. grief, the grief of, yeah. of loss, the loss that goes with, with facing your mortality of dealing with, you know, I had to go through the process of putting my house in order and preparing to die. Yeah. Even though the, the doctors were telling me, you're, you're probably not going to, but we're going to need you to fill out these forms and you're going to want to have right. a durable power of attorney and we're going to need you to kind of sign this DNR. Cause we're still like you opening your heart. Right. Yeah. Right. They're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to open me up. And so I had to go through this process of, of writing letters to my wife and my children. And, um, uh, you know, which is not a, that's not a simple thing to do. You know, I, re- I remember doing it. I remember, I still have them, actually. They're sealed, um, but uh, and I tell that story about those letters and uh, the, my friend that I gave them to and asked him to hold on to them for me and him knowing I'm, uh, you know, 
that I was asking him to do one of two things, either give them back to me on the other side or give them to my wife and kids in my place if, if I needed that. And uh, so, so what the, the book kind of walks through in very present tense, real time, that, that road, that journey, um, and, uh, and just kind of all the things that sort of went in. Because I thought, you know, it started off, I, I was just writing some blog posts to keep um, friend, friends and family sort of aware of what was happening to me. And I started hearing from people, hey, you're putting into words my experience. You're, you're, yeah. you're um, you know, it, it was it was infertility for me, or it was my dad had cancer, or it was uh, my marriage falling apart, or whatever. Um, people found that, you know, everybody's got an affliction of some kind, and everybody has walked with somebody else through a season of affliction. And as a writer, the, the light went on for me. I thought, okay, I want to be a good steward of what I'm going through, and I want to write about it as I'm experiencing it without trying to um, just fill it full of life lessons. Right. But I really want it to be something that... that um, there are two kinds of suffering books in the world. There are suffering books that you give to people who are well, who are interested in understanding mm. suffering better, and then there are suffering books that you give to people who are suffering. Right. You know, And they're not the same kind of book. And I wanted to write something that you could put into the hands of somebody who was afflicted. And they would find it to body, be body, mind, or soul. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, body, mind, or soul, and that they would find it to be a a helpful companion to walk through that season with them, mm-hmm. um, rather than just somebody on the other side saying, "Here's all the life lessons." Because right. the truth is, um, suffering and affliction doesn't always yield a lot of life lessons. It, right. A lot of times, it raises a lot of questions, and the Lord says, um, "I'm not going to answer the question." You know, C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief Observed, he, he talks about having these questions and and he, he, there's a place I'm going to paraphrase, but I'm going to try to get it as close as I can. He said, I ask my questions to God and I get no answer, but it's a special sort of no answer. Oh, it's not a good. waving of the question, but it's like a, a parent saying to a child, peace, you wouldn't understand. Mm. You know, and I'm like, yeah, that, that's a lot of the... Um, the silence of God communicates. You know, when God is silent in our suffering, a lot of times it's it's it is communicating something. It That's is right. it is conveying his 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 nearness and mm-hmm. and him his way of of saying uh, you you wouldn't understand if if I tried to answer, but I'm here. You know, yeah. and um, so so that's yeah. It, it's I, when I read back through it, I. It, you know, it kind of puts me right back into right. those those seasons. Right, I feel the <laughs> same way with my books. Really, there are times where I can't. I, currently, I'm in a spot where I can't really pick up. Let's all be brave because uh-huh. I, I I can't go back there. I can't process some of that stuff today. Yeah, and so I, I get that because they almost turn into your books. Almost turn into yearbooks of sorts, like memory. Yeah, like all your memories are crushed in there. Yeah. And and so to go back into that book is to go back there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Are you going to do a lot of like readings and public readings, that kind of stuff with it? I don't have a lot of things on the calendar. Yeah. You know, this is my third book, but I'm still kind of a, a relatively new author in yep. the sense that I'm unknown. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. nobody really knows who I am. So it's... it's. Um, but you've been doing the hard work for a long time yeah. of pastoring and leading. This is just going to be a different yeah. expression of it. Yeah, it's a different expression of it. And so, um, so I, you know, I, I, I want to talk about this mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I have a... Uh, 
I have a perspective and and something you know to yeah. to say about it. But I but ironically, part of what I feel like I have to say about it is um, it's okay if the lessons aren't crystal clear and snapping into place, and right. you know. It's okay if your if your if your you know ledger ends up with more questions than answers at the yeah. end of this because yeah. that's that's pretty realistic you know and that's it does feel it does there are times when I have thought that the questions meant a lack of faith mm-hmm. do you, what do you do when someone comes to you and says well I but I have all these questions I must not believe yeah um yeah I I just. Anybody who has uh, has been through a season of personal spiritual growth, nine times out of ten, it's a season of suffering and affliction. Right. I know. You know, and nine times out of ten, it's a season where it it wasn't like God just wanted to teach me a lesson and I came out on the other side. It's it's actually in the suffering that we grow, because God's way of growing us is not um, just filling our brains with information. It's actually creating in us deeper in deeper dependence upon him. And so a lot of spiritual growth is the process of the Lord um, causing us to cling to him uh, because what else can we do? Mm-hmm. And that's growth. Yeah. You know, growth is not, hey, Lord, help me understand this so I won't need you next time this comes around. <laughs> right. You so know? that I already have the answer yeah. to this quiz question. Yeah. Tra- yeah. Train my heart to return to you. Yep. Um, and and to trust that you've that you see the field yeah. when I don't. Yeah. Uh, I wrote, there's a chapter in here on depression, and I wrote it while I was depressed. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, heart That's patients. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It it was um, um, it it was a gloriously miserable experience to right. write that chapter. Right. Um, I'm not I'm not a stranger to depression, but but uh, so I have dark nights of the soul from time to time and, and, you know, the older I get, I can kind of see the storm clouds coming in right. a little earlier right. now. Um, however, uh, it's, it's kind of a thing for heart patients right. to go through, uh, you know, post-op depression and, and it, like a train pulling into the station right on time, right. You know, it, it hit me. And, and, um, but I remember thinking, okay, I, I'm, I'm a writer. Uh, the way that I, uh, work through things as I write about them, yep. and so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna write about this thing. Yep, and I'm gonna get into it. And it's and it it I don't necessarily want to recommend that to everybody because, <laughs> because it took me it took me into some darkness. It gets it, darker. It got dark. Yeah. I know. Got, I know. It got dark. But but you know. But but part of the the fruit of that experience was was saying this time, um, even though every depression that comes along feels fresh and new even mm-hmm. if you know you're you, you're susceptible to this it yeah. always feels like yeah but this one you yeah, know but this one this yeah. one is the one yeah it helped me to know okay but this is post-op depression right. you know so i could get all clinical and analytic on it you know, <laughs> i could say well you know i had this these drugs in my body and right. i had this procedure got done to me and my you know there's all these factors that are right. that are that are in here and yet it's still you know these are the things that i feel mm-hmm. and and working through that was was very therapeutic for me yeah. um, but it also became it, it sort of it it caught it, it caught some some uh I don't know what you say. It went viral, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it spread around. The people that to write love on her arms um, yeah. uh, posted it, and some other folks did as well. Um, but it was I was glad for that because um, 
because the, you know dep- depression is such a common thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend the whole time talking about depression. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> this podcast. Oh, oh. But it's real, right? Because oh. I, what I needed, the, I've been through one pretty significant season of depression in my life. I thought I saw another one coming. Like you said, I saw the storm clouds and mm-hmm. I freaked out. I mean, I ran to my counselor. Like, mm. I don't even think I slowed down from the first feeling to the front door of her office. Yeah. And I was like, it's coming. It's coming. I can feel it. Let's stop it. And she was like, we don't stop it. Mm-hmm. She was like, that's not how we deal with this. Yeah. That's not what happens. But in that serious season for me, what I needed most was someone who had been through it saying, yeah, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. And here's, so it gives me, I, I love that this is what you're talking about because I love the idea that there are friends of mine who are listening to this that yeah. are thinking, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to make it through this. And you're going, yeah, you are going to make it through this. Yeah. There yeah. is another side to this. Yeah. David was, was depressed a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like in, in the Psalms, there's a lot of Psalms that are, that are, um, so- sorrowful songs and laments, you know, and, um, and, and that's part of, Jesus w- lamented, you know, he felt sorrow. He, yeah. he wept. He had, uh, you know, I don't know that we would say he was depressed, but he had, mo- he had moments of sorrow that ran- runs deeper than anything I've ever felt. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've, I think that that's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm so thankful that that's in the yeah. scripture, yeah. that that's there because it, because it, it sort of normalizes the experience right. um, while giving us hope. Um, but also, you know, saying, oh, it's, it's not simply, you know, that, that set of feelings is anathema. You shouldn't feel that. You should start feeling happy instead. Well, right. <laughs> okay, but a lot of the book of Psalms is, is you know, um, my, you know, why are you downcast on my soul and why so troubled within me? Right. You know, and, uh, and the Lord lets it be part of, part of the prayer book. Uh, mm-hmm. Of the people of God, part mm-hmm. of the hymn book that we sing, the, that we sing the sad songs, yeah. um, because because we feel that way yeah. sometimes, and and the Lord's present in those things. And my sevenness does not like feeling sadness, <laughs> and so I fight it a lot. My counselor yeah. said to me this last week. She said, "I just want you to feel a little bit of sadness every day." Yeah. When you, the first time you feel it coming, don't fight it. Just mm-hmm. feel it. And I was like, every day? Yeah. I don't want to feel sad every day. Yeah. She's like, Annie, most people feel some sadness at some point every day. Yeah. Stop fighting it so much. But I do, Russ. I'm just like, no, 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 no. It's sad. Let's, let's go have fun. Let's go check the mailbox again. Let's go on a walk. Let's go to get coffee. Yeah. Endorphins. Oh, those, man. I just those, want to run from yeah, it. Yeah. I just yeah. want to run from sadness. Um, who are you hoping picks up this book? I am hoping, um, I love this question. Uh, the, the low hanging fruit is people who are going through seasons of affliction. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, I want it to be a, a, a helpful resource for people who are grieving, yeah. uh, for people who are suffering F- for me. And I tried to get the publisher to, to market it this way and they, yeah. they were like, well, um, <laughs> but for me, this is a, this is a love story. This mm. book, this book is about a marriage. Um, really, I can barely talk about it without getting emotional. I, it's it's um, because you know my so many of these chapters are about my wife and I walking through this together, um, and uh, I, I just I think it's a pretty a pretty amazing love story. Uh, personally, I think it's I think it's um, you know because it starts with uh, her, her and I figuring out what we're gonna do. And it ends with my wife and I moving forward, you know, and, and all the stuff that happens kind of in the middle. She's a constant in that. She's, 
she's the closest person to me. And the when the when I submitted the original first draft, the the publisher said, "Man, I wish there was a way." My editor said, "I wish there was a way that we could have more of your wife's perspective, but it's told in the first person, and so I don't know how you would really do that without kind of speaking on her behalf. But right. man, it'd be kind of cool if we could do that." And I, I told my wife that, and little did I know she would, she would get up, um, in you know like stay up late or get up really early in the morning, and she wrote this, she wrote her take, her feelings, her perspective, her experience in this and didn't really tell me she was doing it. She just gave it to me one day and it was this 3000 word long, you know, which is about a, 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 a good hefty chapter, yeah. um, of her take her experience with this. And I started reading it and immediately I thought this has to be in the book. Mm. This has to be the afterword in the book. This, this can't, I can't leave this out. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, I, asked my editor, I said, what, what do you think? I think this needs to be in the book. And he said, yeah, I think it needs to be in the book yeah. too. So I went back to her and I said, hey, we want to put it in the book. And uh, she agreed to, to, to that. But it's, it's my favorite part of the book. because It's a beautiful part of the yeah, book. Because yeah, because she's, you know, it's a mother of four, kids in school, life doesn't stop. Um, and I'm, I'm going through what I'm going through. And one of the, one of the profound... Um, lessons that we learned or takeaways that we got from this is that when when somebody goes through a, an affliction or a season of suffering the people who love them go through a season of suffering and affliction too mm. and it's their own season even though it's related to what you're going through it's because of what you're going through they're still walking through a season of suffering too and so she she has a very um this she she had this really real season of affliction and suffering that she walked through when I was going through my thing, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's it's a it's I love that it's in the book and I love that she wrote it and um, I, it's it's one of my favorite things you know yeah it's really beautiful yeah it is yeah. a great part of the book I What's, mean the whole book is excellent but that is a great part having her just it just. It just switches, and all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, yeah, that's right." Yeah, we we had a title. the 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 uh, The editors uh, changed the title that we had for it. The title that we had for the afterword was mm-hmm. "Suck It Up," <laughs> um, and it's actually the first three. Feels so good. It's the first three words. It's the first line of her afterword because that was her yeah. initial advice to me when I told her, "Hey, I don't feel well." Um, <laughs> was you know, well, you got to keep going, and yeah. you know, you know, and and uh, and. You know, she did at one point say, you kind of have to suck it up. Little did she know I was in the early right. stages of heart failure. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, but the power of what she was saying was uh, she was in a season of life as we all, as we, we continue to be where things don't stop because we get sick. So we have to keep going. Right. And, uh, and part of her experience and part of the way that the Lord met her in this was, was by causing her to have to, you know, stop mm. what, what she was, what she was, the way she, to give up the way she wanted things to go, sure. um, and have to, and have to rely on him and rely on friends. Um, and, uh, so, um, yeah. So I hope that, I hope that that's one of the things that yeah. this, if this book gets a reputation, I would love for it to have the reputation of being a love story. Cause it's all about the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And you did an album to go with it too. I did a little EP. Russ, yeah. I mean, gosh, you're like overly qualified in every area. I'm like, oh yeah, you're a pastor and an author and a musician. Okay, that's yeah, cool. but I'm not a good musician. So it's it's. Um, you still made the EP. Yeah, I did make I did make an EP. But, and it's uh, songs based on the book. Yeah. So um, so it's three songs. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, one of the songs is directly mentioned in the book. So yeah. when I was writing the letters to my wife and kids, my friend Andy Osenga, um The Osengas are big family yeah, oh yeah, fans. Yeah, that's uh, right. I'm a big that's fan right. of that You're, family. You did one of the cartwheels. Yes, I did a cartwheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cartwheels for clean, clean water cartwheels. Clean, clean water cartwheels. It's amazing. Um, where one of the little Osinglets yes. is doing a cartwheel every day to raise money. Uh, for clean water in Africa. I think that's what, what the yeah, cause is, right? that's exactly yeah. right. It's incredible. Yeah. And so if you follow Clean Water Cartwheels on Instagram, you will see her cartwheel. Every day. Every day. And I hadn't done a cartwheel, Russ. I mean, I hadn't really done a cartwheel in years. Yeah. And Sadie says, will you be in Clean Water Cartwheels with me? And I was like, yeah. Thinking like, I mean, when I was 11, I was great at cartwheels. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You pulled it's it a off. different yeah. life. Yeah. When it comes to Sadie, I'm laying low this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get near. Uh, right. I want, to, I want to champion her from a distance. Right, but not be in a yeah. cartwheel video. Yeah, I do. Well, yeah. there's 365, so the chance that you get in one is probably pretty high. I mean, that sounds like a good thing to do on book launch day. I'm just going to suggest it to him. Is a is a is a struck cartwheel? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I'm going to have to send that over. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm going to make that suggestion to the higher okay. ups over at the Osangaville. My daughter, Jane, who, who is her birthday today. She turns 11. Yes. She does cartwheels. So she oh. can do one in my place. I mean, she could. And, yeah. Anyway, anyway so back Andy. To, back to, so Andy, <laughs> he, he said, he said, is there any, any way I can help you? And the letters was part of the way he could help me. But then also, um, I had written this song for my wife back when we were dating. Right. And I, and I wanted to update the song so uh, that it okay. would be... Um, about us now yeah and also kind of to do it like i wanted to rewrite it so that she would get it regardless of what happened right sure sure and so um so he we recorded my vocals for that it's the first song it's called dance with me and it's the it we recorded the vocals for that uh, just a few days before i went under the knife oh my gosh Um, and then he did everything else so so while i'm singing that song i'm hooked up to the iv and and i'm sick oh my gosh um, and then the other two songs are songs that are, um, not directly related to my story, but they're thematically related. Mm. So, so they, so there's a story about, uh, there's a song about, um, a Wendell Berry character. Are you familiar? Oh, with I love Wendell, Wendell Berry. Berry. Yes. So he has a novel called Remembering. It's this short little novel about one of his characters, Andy Catlett, who yeah. gets his hand, uh, cut off in a farming accident. It's his right hand. And he, and he, you know, he says when, I, you know, my right hand was what I was how I held on to the world, and when I lost my hand, I lost my hold. Oh, wow. And it's just this beautiful thing that he he um, he goes through this uh, where he's having to learn how to do everything with his left hand, and he's frustrated, and so he's taking out his frustration on people that are closest to him and his mm-hmm. wife. And his wife tells him basically, "I want you to get well, mm. but one of the things that's going to have to happen for you to become well is you're going to have to apologize to me." Oh, wow. For the way you're treating me. Oh. <laughs> and it's just, it's such a confrontation of grace. Yeah. Because she's basically saying, you you are rejecting the advances of, of grace and love. Mm-hmm. And um, you're not going to be better while you're continuing to be just furious at the people who love you the most. Mm-hmm. And so 
at some point ask me for my forgiveness. Mm. And he decides, well, I'm going to have to think about that, you know, and he, and he leaves. He's gone from her for a season and, and, uh, thinks, decides he's going to flirt with a waitress at Mm -hmm. a restaurant. And then he realizes as soon as I start to talk to her, she's going to notice the hook where my hand used to be. And that's going to be the end of that. Yeah. And he realizes he only has, he only has one home and in that home he's loved. And, yeah. it, and it breaks him. So he goes home and he apologizes. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I wrote a song about that called yeah. The Ballad of Andy Catlett. Yeah. Um, but I wrote it because because it's my story. It's the story sure. of of um, anger and frustration at feeling just, you know, incapable mm. of, of doing what you used to be able to do and the frustration of being weak uh, and having to relearn mm-hmm. um, and so, so there's that. And then there's another song called Both Alive where I had, a, a, this, it's, uh, the song is about two friends who are in a car accident together. They both survive. Um, but it was a bad car accident yeah. and, and they don't know how to talk to each other about it because it was a, a, an affliction for one and it was affliction for the other, Sure. but it, but it's unique to each of them. Right. And so I had a lot of friends during this experience say things to me like, um, I wish I would have been a better friend to you during this. You know, I feel, and, and I could feel this kind of uh, this sense of guilt for. I, w- the, maybe, I wish there was something I could have done better for you. Yeah. And I hear that, and I think I, you were great. But right. but 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 what what you, but what I'm hearing from you is that is that that was a hard thing for you. Right. It was hard for you when you, somebody that you loved got really really sick, and you didn't know how it was going to go, and that was a hard season for you. Mm-hmm. And so the, the song kind of is about, about how hard it is to, to, um, to know what to say to each other, Yeah, you know, I wrote it sort of as a, as a, in the hopes that it would free people up to say, it's okay that we, that we struggle to find the words to know what to say. So, so that's the, that's the, that's the little, I haven't heard the songs yet. I can't wait. Uh, Can I get it on iTunes? Yeah, it's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. If you want to get it for free. Um, if you want me to make yeah. no money off yeah, of yeah, it, yeah. go ahead yeah. and give a listen. You know what I'd love to do for my friends? And I I think this may be a Nashville thing, is yeah. I buy the record yep. when I can, and then I stream it on Spotify. Uh-huh. Because then y'all get double downed. Yeah. That's that's my goal, is that you get... <laughs> and I put it on on playlists that I share, so yeah. that lots of yeah. people give you a penny per listen. Yeah. That is the hope. Yeah. I I, uh, I completely made the EP as a support to the book. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. But I have so many friends that are professional musicians, and it's their right. livelihood. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not uh, I have too much respect for what they do uh-huh. to want to uh, make my living off of. <laughs> hey, you and me both. I'm like, it, 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 it's great because yeah. then in community, you're like, hey, guess what, guys? I don't need anything from yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I really I'm don't. I'm not trying to really. play guitar on your album. It's, I'm not trying to be your backup singer. It's just, free on YouTube. Yeah. It's free on Spotify. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's right. <laughs> I'll email you the MP3s right, right. If, if you, you want it, just ask me. If the two ninety seven yeah. is just. <laughs> It's just a bridge too far. Yeah, but you really want to hear. <laughs> right, right, right. I will send it to you. Um, okay, Russ, the last question we always ask people on the podcast. I hope you've prepped in your heart. Oh, my goodness. Because it is called That Sounds Fun. Yeah. I'd like to know what sounds fun to you right now. What sounds fun to me right now? Um, like doing something fun? Yeah. What sounds fun oh. to you right now? What sounds fun to me right now would be um, – Getting in my car and driving over to Springer Mountain in Georgia. Yes. And circling up with all the uh, the uh, the hippies and the hikers and the people who are about to embark on a through hike of the Appalachian Trail. Okay. 
And is that the head of it? Uh, yeah, that's the Georgia end. So Georgia to Maine. Yep. Um, uh, 2,170 miles, I think oh, wow. it is, something like that. It's, yeah. a, it's a hike. Casual. Um, what sounds fun to me would be to hike the Appalachian Trail. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I think I'm going to have to wait until the new heavens and new earth to do that because I got some things going on. We got uh, all the time yeah. then. And yeah, things my, aren't hard anymore. Yeah. My joke with my wife is that is that I would love to hike the Appalachian Trail, but I think in order for me to do that, a lot of things would have to go really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it does sound fun. Yeah, it sounds fun. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun to do that. That's yeah. a good answer. Why does that sound fun to you? What do you love about that? I, I love hiking. Okay. It's, uh, and I love being, I love distance hiking. I love, okay. I love, you know, just wearing myself out and covering a lot of ground on, on foot. Yeah. Um, I like the slowness of it. I like the simplicity of it. When you're hiking, you you do, you do four things. You, uh, sleep, you eat, you drink and you move. Yeah. Um, those are the, those are really the only things that you do, you yeah. know, so you rest, you move, you, you hydrate and you take in calories. Yeah. And, and uh, there, there's something just beautifully simple about, yeah. about that. Um, but that always sounds fun to me, but that, okay. that sounds like this would be the time of year when people are gearing up to, to, to start, start off. Yeah. Cause they can do it. How long does a normal person take on the Appalachian Trail? A um, couple of months? Uh, six months. <gasps> you are lying to me. It's a half of your year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't have time for that right now, Russ. I know. I we know. got too much work to do. We can't. I know. We can't take six you know, months. The other thing that sounds fun is, uh, is, uh, this is going to be, uh, this is a dad moment, but I'm going to go home and, and have a birthday party for, yes. for my youngest daughter. Yes. And, uh, I got to tell you what her birthday, what her birthday dinner wish is. Okay. Uh, cause our kids tell us what they want for their birthday and that's what we try to do. She wants, um, Salmon from this restaurant uh, near where we live um, called uh, something fire. Um, not pepper fire, but something. I forget what the name of the place is. Anyway, it's salmon. So she wants that. Okay. She also wants a French fry bar. She wants she wants a, a few different kinds of French fries. Oh, I like her yeah. so much. So we're gonna go like I think we're gonna get some Wendy's French fries and maybe some you know and just kind of set them know, up like you yeah, have a variety Chick Fil A waffle fries. So or will like you that. have toppings for it or is it just pure a variety of fries? She just wants a variety. Oh my gosh, she just wants a variety what? of fries. A queen. So, so that'll happen today. Okay. Uh, She's how old? She's turning eleven. Okay. Yeah. So that's where you're going right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell that's her we said happy birthday. I will do that. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. I appreciate it. I mean, a French fry bar, y'all, that is genius. How have I never had a birthday party with a French fry bar? My birthday is in July, July 7th to be exact. And let me tell you that I already have had like three conversations about what we're doing for my birthday this year. And I just added that to the list A French fry bar. Russ's daughter is a genius. That's amazing. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Man, he um, is pastoring us even on this podcast, didn't he? Just the depth and the wisdom and how much I appreciate his honesty. I just think I think you're really going to enjoy Struck. And I, I'm going to go start listening to that album on Spotify and get it on iTunes pretty much as soon as we are done recording this. I'm excited about that. I just think I love how he described the love story side of this book. So I think it's going to be really a good read for any of us. So I hope you will grab that and enjoy it. And like we talked about, he works at a church here in town with another pastor that you guys may have met on the podcast, Scott Sauls. If you haven't listened to that episode, just hop back into the archives and check it out. It is one of my favorites. It came at a really important time in my life personally, when our church in Nashville was going through some kind of hard stuff. And Scott kind of stepped in and talked about what does it mean 
to be committed to the local church and what does it mean to be friends with people who aren't just like you and it's one of my very favorite episodes so if you haven't heard that I would highly encourage you to go check out my conversation with Scott I'm really excited in a couple of weeks to record an episode of the podcast where I'm going to answer your questions about writing a book. As I am starting on my sixth book, I am working on it now. It comes out in the summer-ish of 2018. It is due in July. So I will be finished writing it in July, but this is the time when I write it. And I thought, I wonder if I, what my friends out there in Podcastville would like to know about writing a book. So listen, you guys have been doing an amazing job of tweeting me, sending me messages on Facebook, sending me emails, letting me know your questions about the process of writing a book. So if you have more of them, we've got a good list and I'm going to have a real special friend come in and ask me the questions. So it's not just me interviewing myself. That would get so awkward. It's going to be me interviewed by another human asking your questions about book writing. So get those questions to me in the next couple of days if you want to ask a specific question about the book writing process. I'm embarrassingly easy to find on the internet, so you can get it to me through email, annie at anniefdowns.com, F as in fancy or falcons or whatever you want to believe. Francis. A lot of people think my middle name is Francis. So Annie F. Downs, that is my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook, anywhere you want to find me, Annie F. Downs. And I'd love to connect with you. I would love to hear your writing questions. You can also use the hashtag that sounds fun podcast because we're watching that and we'll look for questions there as well. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I hope you have enjoyed it. I'm so glad you're here. I kind of hope it feels like a party you don't want to leave because that is approximately how I feel about this podcast. So If you want to, there's about 30 episodes back there waiting on you that you can catch up with and meet some of our really fun friends. Like I mentioned, Scott, there's a lot of authors. We've interviewed musicians, tons of great friends of mine that I've gotten to introduce you to or talk with on the podcast. So Russ is off to his daughter's birthday party. That sounds really fun to him. And I am off to my favorite workout class in Nashville, BFAB Fitness, and then hang out with some girlfriends. And that sounds really fun to me. So I hope that you get to do something that sounds fun to you today as well. Thanks for being here. And I look forward to seeing you next time.